0: Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement, your source for news and commentary from a cultural and right of center perspective. African American Conservatives. Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strotter. Please bookmark acons.substack.com. That's where you'll find links to this podcast, as well as all of our social media profiles and our great commentary. Our guest today is Lieutenant Colonel Allen B. West. He is a combat veteran of the United States Army, where he served in uniform for 22 years. He was a member of the 112th Congress, serving as a representative from Florida. Further, he was the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, the best chairman in my opinion, (laughs) Um, and he currently serves as the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. He is the author of three books. He's the host of the excellent Steadfast and Loyal podcast and a current candidate for the chair of the Dallas Republican Party. Welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, Marie. It's great to be back on, and Merry Christmas to you.
0: And Merry Christmas. Thank you. And I understand that we have some good news to celebrate today. Your youngest grandson, Levi Allen, has returned home from the NICU, and so congratulations to you and your family.
1: Yeah, thanks so very much. I'm sure by the time we uh, get through this interview, he'll he'll be uh, at home. He was... I'm sure he's going to pass with flying colors.
0: Of course. He's a Ranger. That's right week senator dick durbin said in a speech quote do you know what the the navy and i'm sorry this week Senator Dick Durbin said in a speech, do you know what the recruiting numbers are at the Army, Navy, and the Air Force? They can't reach their quotas each month. They can't find enough people to join our military forces. And there are those who are undocumented, who want to have the chance to serve and risk their lives for this country. Should we give them that chance? I think we should, end quote. Explain to him why, and our audience, why he is dead wrong on this issue.
1: Well, he's not just dead wrong, he's delusional. And if you go back and you study the history, one of the things that contributed to the fall and the demise of Rome, was the point in time when the Roman citizens stopped serving in their own military, in their own legions, and they start to outsource military service to their respective provinces that they had uh, conquered conquered and succumbed. And when you look at what Dick Durbin is talking about, first and foremost, the reason why young men and women are not joining the military or they're struggling with the retention rates of keeping people in the military, it has to do with the policies of the Biden administration. So let's start there, first and foremost, the focus on cultural Marxism and DEI and uh, gender dysphoria and all of these things. They're not focusing on their wartime military capabilities and capacities. When you have a commander in chief that looks down at his watch at the uh, coming home ceremony for the remains of 13 U.S. uh, Marines, a soldier and a sailor, who died because of his failed policy in the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, That's the reason why. When you are telling young men and women in the military they have to go on food stamps, they're not joining the military because of those policies. They're not being taken care of. And I recently shared the story of a uh, young army specialist uh, from the 82nd Airborne Division who was discharging from the United States military, separating from the military. And he was told he had to pay up to about $4,000 of equipment that he was told to leave behind in Afghanistan. That's why they're not joining. Now, let's fast forward to what Dick Durbin's solution is to instead of uh, holding the Biden uh, administration accountable, why would you believe that people who their very entry into the United States of America was to break the rule of law uh, to disregard our Constitution? You think that they're going to take an oath to, uh, you know, support and defend our Constitution and really uh, abide by and and do that? No. So, uh, again, here are people that are here illegally that have violated the laws of this nation, violated our sovereignty. And you want to put them out there and believe that they're going to stand on freedom's ramparts to protect the United States of America? That is absolutely absurd. And like I said, that's delusional.
0: Speaking of the border crisis, you recently posted a disturbing article that states how a local hotel is canceling reservations held by those attending your beloved Army-Navy game Mm -hmm. so that the hotel can house those here illegally. Tell us more about that story. Well, just think about
1: the message that it sends. I mean, this is the first time that uh, the Army-Navy game is going to be up in Foxborough, Massachusetts, a suburb of Boston. And, of course, people, you know, go out there and they get their hotel reservations, you know, beforehand. Uh, this is the 124th uh, renewal of the Army-Navy game. I, That's a bucket list thing for me. I've never been able to attend an Army-Navy game. Hopefully I get to do it. But think about all of a sudden that you're set to go there and you get a notice saying that your hotel reservation has been canceled. And then you find out why your hotel reservation has been canceled, because the hotels there are going to house illegal immigrants, which they get paid by the government to do, instead of allowing you to go and watch what is called America's game army versus navy it's a very unique game i mean these kids don't get to jump into a transfer portal and jump from school to school they're not going to be out there playing for a national championship but you know what they're playing for they're playing for our championship it is the only game where every single person on that field will raise their right hand to take an oath to support and defend the constitution and be willing to lay down their lives to do so and how much of a slap in the face it is to veterans and the families of these young men and women uh, that are attending those two service academies to be told that, you know, you don't have a room. You don't have a place in the inn, uh, thinking about the Christmas thing. You don't have a place in the inn because we're going to bring in illegal immigrants. That, to me, is the most un-American, disgusting, and despicable thing that could be happening around this Army-Navy gang.
0: And what's crazy to me is these are people that have paid for their reservations. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, okay, so the hotel gets money from the government. It's money. So why wouldn't you accept the money of those who have skin in the game, so to speak? As you said, these are parents and veterans and and that sort of thing. It's crazy.
1: They don't care. And, and again, here is Massachusetts who once upon a time – they produced the Sons of Liberty who took the field at Lexington Green and Concord Bridge and Bunker Hill and all of these places to make a stand for us to become these United States of America. But now we have a Massachusetts that cares more about people that are here illegally than about the young men and young women, their families and veterans who have put their lives on the line for this, uh, for this nation. Uh, and, and how short-sighted Art can you be to say that we are not going to allow you, we're not going to honor these hotel reservations, which, oh, by the way, one night, two nights, uh, because we want to provide these rooms to illegal immigrants. You're going to displace Americans for illegal immigrants. And coming back to what uh, you know, Senator uh, Dick Durbin talked about, this is another reason why, why people do not want to be a part of a military that disregards the young men and women who are playing in this football game? Who will play in a bigger game once they get, uh, once they graduate and get commissioned, or their families, or these veterans?
0: As you've pointed out, college campuses where conservative voices are often silenced have become welcome designations for pro-Hamas and anti-Semitic voices. You and another great friend to ACONS, Professor William Jacobson of Legal Insurrection, recently had a discussion about this. What were the takeaways?
1: Well, the takeaways is that we have allowed this to fester, and recently the Wall Street Journal even put out an article talking about how this this radicalism and this militancy of professors and university administrations and how they're not teaching kids, but they're indoctrinating them to this Marxist ideology, now we see it in full bore. Uh, and, and you're right, when you look at these campuses, and I looked at the testimony for some of these university professors before the House uh, Committee on Education and Workforce a couple of days ago, uh, they, are, they are complicit in this. You, know, you cannot sit around and say that we're just going to allow one certain line of speech and call that free speech because it aligns with our ideology, it aligns with what we want to indoctrinate these students on. Uh, and anything other than that, well, we're going to suppress it. And so now you have these kids on these college campuses believing that the only speech that is allowed is their speech, and any other speech is unacceptable, uh, Unacceptable, so therefore it's not free speech. So Harvard, University of Pennsylvania, all these Ivy League schools, Cornell, they have, you know, Promulgated this, and what is even more disturbing, Marie, is that a lot of these schools—if you're a private school, I got it—but a lot of these schools are, you know, taxpayer-funded schools, state schools, or they get federal grants. We should not be funding these schools that are, you know, churning out the next generation of little Marxists through their schools of journalism, schools of uh, political science, school of uh, you know department of political science, schools of journalism and uh, and education. I'm sorry. We should not allow that to to be happening. So this is something that we're going to have to turn around. And I think the most important thing is stop sending, you know, taxpayer money. And and even here in the state of Texas where I live, we're having that problem at a place like Texas A&M University. Forget the University of Texas, but even Texas A&M University. So we have got to do something on these college campuses to get them to understand that, this is a place where there's supposed to be different thoughts, perspectives, insights. And the fact that you have American Jewish students, they're afraid to, 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 to go to class or being bullied in their class by professors. And, and this is starting to creep down even into the, the high school level and middle school level.
0: It's insane. Hmm? Recently in Texas, we saw a Republican-led House of Representatives vote to remove a provision from an education omnibus bill that would have created a school voucher program. Hmm. Why are some Texas Republicans so opposed to school vouchers when they're so popular with Republicans nationally?
1: Yeah, I do not understand why Republicans in the state of Texas don't support education savings accounts. You you look at Arizona, uh, probably the model legislation was passed out there by the Republicans. And now you have the Democrat governor, Katie Hobbs, trying to uh, <laughs> veto it, eliminate it, get rid of it. You look at North Carolina, where once again, Republicans in control of the legislature there passed school choice, educational freedom for, for parents, and the Democrat Governor Roy Cooper of North Carolina instituted a state of emergency over it. How is it in the state of Texas where you would think that, you know, a quote-unquote red state, we have Republicans that are killing educational savings accounts of school choice? And this just goes back to the fact that just because some people have an R after their name, does not mean that they believe in constitutional conservative principles and values. They don't believe in liberty and freedom principles. They don't believe that parents should be able to choose what is the best means of education for their children. And so they're lining up with the Democrats and basically they're lining up with the education and industrial complex, if I could uh, coin that phrase, the teachers unions and all of them to be against the student. Uh, Ron DeSantis won his, you know, gubernatorial election, the very first one, against Andrew Gillum, the mayor of Tallahassee, on one issue, and that issue was school choice. And what you saw were single Black mothers who were registered Democrat, they came across the aisle. The exit polls show that. They came across the aisle and helped him to win, and he won by less than 1%. That's how important this issue is. And it's not a Republican-Democrat issue, it's a freedom issue, it's a liberty issue. If you're not getting a good quality education, your chances at equality of opportunity are dwindled and the fact that we have republicans in the state of texas that are going along with this is just absolutely uh, it's confounding it's it's unconscionable
0: and you know it's interesting that you say that because about 10 years ago i talked to rand paul about this because you know this is an issue that i've been crazy about for for many years having homeschooled my own children and i said you know this is when i was in california Black mothers in Oakland would totally get behind this.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you just need to empower them to be able to do that. But for some reason, Republicans don't want to listen to this issue. And you were excoriated because you talked about our present speaker of the House, Dave Phelan, and said that he was a political traitor and people. Went nuts. They absolutely lost it, and yet, what happened? He re- appointed Republican. Uh, a, he re- appointed Democrat chairs for many uh, of the committees, including the Republican, uh, including the Education Committee. Yeah. It's now yeah. it's now by Brad Buckley, but it was chaired by a Republic a Democrat. So it's crazy to me. You know that we do these things, like you said. The the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting mm-hmm. a different result.
1: No, you're absolutely right. It was three years ago, as uh, the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, I came out and you know referred to him as a political traitor. Now it's because he appointed uh, was going to appoint 13 Democrats as uh as chairman of committees and you just talked about one of those being education committee and furthermore he went and got the uh the democratic uh caucus or conference whatever you want to call it in the texas state house to fully support him and then he only got just a few a handful of republicans and so his uh his allegiance was not to the people that helped him to get into that position and now we see he is you know still in that position as speaker of the house and he is killing school choice uh, legislation, education, saving the council legislation, along with 20 to 21 different Republicans who are joining with the Democrat uh, side to to defeat that. And so that's why I'm very glad to see that all of these Republicans in the Texas State House that have been voting against the legislative priorities of the Republican Party of Texas, they're getting primary challengers. And, uh, and I hope that they will be defeated in the March primary that is coming up uh, next 2024.
0: Now, Texas Republicans have passed a bill that Governor Abbott is expected to sign that will allow police to charge illegals with a misdemeanor and allow a judge to order the, Ill- the illegals to return to Mexico. Critics say it is unconstitutional and will lead to racial profiling. What is your view?
1: Well, you know, obviously, they have not looked and seen that we've got like tens of thousands of Chinese uh, nationals. We've got Russians. We've got Haitians. We've got, you know, people from, you know, South America. We got the whole daggum world trying to come across our border illegally. Uh, and that's the whole point. They're coming across illegally. And I don't think you should charge them with a misdemeanor, it should be a felony to break the sovereign laws of this nation and try to enter it into it illegally. Uh, first and foremost, we should turn them right back around. We should not tie them up in our court system because they are violating our rule of law, being it the United States Constitution or the Texas Constitution. And the governor of the state of Texas is charged in Article 4, Section 7 of the Texas State Constitution to repel invasions. I don't know how you call six to seven, eight, I don't know, the people probably lost count, million people coming across your border illegally. That's an invasion. That's not a trickle. Uh, So I I, I understand laws, and we got to pass more laws. But just do what's already on the books. Just empower people to do their jobs. Uh, which is to protect the sovereignty of the state of Texas, which means you're protecting the sovereignty of the United States of America. And people that are here illegally should not uh, be allowed to stay here. And, and you can have some type of tiered system whereby, first and foremost, you go after single military age males, you go after single military age females. You don't have to start you know, going out there and yanking children. I, I think that if there's a, a child that's being forced to come across this border illegally, you want to protect that child. Because without a doubt, they're going to be part of sex trafficking. Uh, but a lot of these adults that are coming across, and, and we should have the on-the-spot DNA testing to make sure that these are family units. We were doing that for a while, uh, then we stopped doing it, and the cartels are smart enough to pair up you know young children. Uh, and you know, Angela and I, my wife and I noticed something here recently. Uh, you're seeing a lot of young Hispanic females, on the corners uh, of intersections here in Dallas selling flowers. And you know what is also with them? Young children. Uh, one woman had a child on the back. The other one had her little daughter right there next to her. That's uh, that's human trafficking. And, and, you know, who knows what happens at night to those exact same women that are out there, you know, selling flowers during, during the day. So let's stop this and and let's stop allowing the cartels to make billions of dollars over human and sex trafficking.
0: You know, I don't think people understand this issue enough in uh, the nuanced terms. You talked a lot about this during your gubernatorial run uh, about permisos, that people have Mm -hmm. them. And it really is basically just a really a get out of jail free card. I mean, it's just you, you have to show up. So you've got a legal document that says, hey, I can be here.
1: Yeah, and and lots of times the permiso say that you don't have to show up for two or three, maybe four years into a court. And so they see that as, hey, this is my permission slip to come into the United States of America. What's even more disturbing is that you have some Democrat members in the Texas State House that are saying that that permiso should be a means by which people can get a driver's license uh, being here illegally. Now, let's think about this. Uh, you get a driver's license, which is a picture ID. Then the next thing you know, what does that open the door for you to be able to do if you're here legally? To vote. And that's one of the big concerns that we need to have going into this 2024 election cycle. When we have six to seven to eight million people that are here illegally, uh, you got Dick Durbin, out of Illinois talking about they should be in our military. You got the governor Pritzker of Illinois saying that they should be our police officers. You've got Democrats all over the place saying that they should be voting uh, in our elections. Oh, that sounds like you're undermining not just our sovereignty, but also our democracy and also our law and order.
0: And, you know, we don't have a really good track record for uh, knowing where folks are. I mean, Mm -mm. you look at it because you talk a lot about the San Bernardino case uh, Mm -hmm. with the the terrorists there. Um, You know, it was a wasn't it a fiancee visa or something? And it had expired. And we don't know where a lot of these people are. We don't. I mean, that's people that are here legally with a visa. (laughs) So can you imagine just having a, a permiso?
1: Yeah, uh Saeed Farouk and Tashfir Malik. That was her name. Uh and she was Pakistani and she came over here on a fiance visa. First of all, she shouldn't have gotten that fiance visa when you go back and look at uh, some of the security concerns, but it had expired and, and guess what? I think I believe about 15 people in San Bernardino lost their lives a few Christmases ago at a Christmas party. But you also have the concerns of people that uh 9-11, they were here on student visas. That ended up expiring, and look what happened to that. So, you know, it was interesting watching uh, Christopher Ray testify here uh, before the the Senate committee uh, about reauthorizing. I think it's Section seven hundred two. You know, the FISA Court. You know, know, maybe he should be focusing not so much on parents and and them being domestic terrorists or, you know, the Catholic Church and infiltrating it. Uh, Maybe they should be the Federal Bureau of Investigation out there finding all of these people that are here illegally and working with ICE uh, to make sure that they're uh, deported from the United States of America. Or maybe you could be out there identifying all of these Hamas supporters that are, you know, traipsing all over the country. And we just saw. The uh, terrorist threat attack that was thwarted in Las Vegas with someone that said, "You know, I'm a lone wolf for ISIS. I support ISIS." There are others that are out there, and, and these terrorist cells have come together. According to you know Christopher Wright, that's the biggest threat that we have right now. So where why do we need this FISA thing? Which to me, they're just looking at surveillance of American citizens. They're not really looking at the threats that we're facing here. So all of this comes you know back together. You've got an administration that is allowing people into this country illegally. You've got a Federal Bureau of Investigation that's more so focused on the ideological adversaries and opposition to this administration than focused on the real terrorist threats that are out there. And it's all going to come to a head sooner or later.
0: In their continuing effort to save democracy, Democrats are not only working to prevent voters from being able to vote for Donald Trump. In your former state of Florida, they are preserving democracy Mm -hmm. by preventing voters from being able to vote for other Democrats Mm
1: -hmm. in
0: the state uh, presidential primary. Are the Dems attempting to rig the election in favor of Joe Biden?
1: Well, that can't be debated. I mean, again, I find it so interesting the people that are talking about illegal should vote in our elections, that we should stack the Supreme Court, uh, all of these things that they're looking to do. They're the ones seeking to undermine democracy. So you even had Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, You know, here's a guy that wants to to run for election as a Democrat, but he's being thwarted. So he has to go over and now uh, declare himself as an independent. And the Florida Democrat Party has come out and said, hey, you know, that's it. Uh, We don't need a primary. There's only one person on the ballot. And Joe Biden wins. Uh, You have other people. Uh, Dean Phillips from Minnesota. Marianne Williamson is also declared. You know, uh, Cornel West is running, you know, Socialist Party, whatever he is. But the, the Democrats are the ones that are undermining democracy. I will say this. At least in the Republican Party, even though President Trump is polling at 60%, you know, in the Republican primary, they're still having debates. They're still having an open process, uh, and they should be, you know, heralded for that. Uh, I don't think that anybody, you know, on that stage, the the remaining four, has a chance of overtaking President Trump, but at least they have an open primary process. The Democrats don't have an open primary process. So again, they're the ones they want to undermine democracy they don't even they want to suppress the vote of their own constituents in the democrat party
0: just days ago there were reports that an iranian backed terrorist group in yemen called the houthis mm-hmm. reportedly attacked a united states warship in the red sea Mm -hmm. This follows reports that the United States forces in Iraq carried out strikes against Iranian-backed groups in late November in response to the direct attacks against U.S. forces there by Iran and Iranian-backed forces. In addition... Dozens of Americans were either murdered or kidnapped by Hamas, an Iran-sponsored terrorist group in Israel on October 7th, as you well know. Mm -hmm. How close are we to entering into a war against Iran, given how often they seem to directly or indirectly go about killing Americans?
1: We have always been in a war against Iran. We have always been in a war against Islamic jihadism and terrorism. you know, Hezbollah, you know, is supported by Iran. And it was 40 years ago, in 1983, October 1983, that Hezbollah killed over 200 and I believe 254 Marines, soldiers and sailors there in the Beirut's barracks bombing. So we've always been at war with with these individuals. Uh, Leon Klinghoffer, you know, that was about 38 years ago. Uh, Again, a quote unquote, you know, Palestinian terrorist organization took the Achille Laro uh, hostage and shot a wheelchair bound American Jewish man and with his wheelchair dumped him off into the Mediterranean Sea off of a moving ship. So we've always been at war with these individuals, with these people. But that's something that the Biden administration does not get. That's something that the Obama administration does not get. You know, Barack Obama invited the Muslim Brotherhood front and center. To his March uh, speech that he gave at the University of Cairo, uh, you know, he sent pallets of uh, you know unmarked cash and uh, you know and an unmarked airplane in the middle of the night to Iran. Joe Biden six billion dollars to Iran, the Iranian nuclear agreement. So it's this administration that does not get the fact that we are at war with these people, and why would they lift the economic sanctions on them? So now they're flush with oil revenues once again. So, you know, know, the reality of your enemy has to soon become your own or else you're going to continue to see exactly what is happening to the United States right
0: now. Not to mention the poorly executed withdrawal from Afghanistan, which you mentioned earlier when you were talking about the soldier who has to pay back all this money now. It was because of the equipment that was left in Afghanistan and they were told to leave the equipment in Afghanistan and it's now being used against us.
1: Absolutely. And that's the thing is that reports are out there that equipment that was left in Afghanistan is now showing up in Gaza. So that, that shows you the, the, the idiocy and the incompetence of this Biden administration uh, because the Taliban, Al Qaeda, Haqqani network, ISIS, whoever, you know, Afghanistan butts right up next to Iran. And Iran is the number one state sponsor of Islamic terrorism. So, how easy is it? for the Taliban or whoever to get that equipment over to, to the Iranians and they get it into Gaza to Hamas. And so I'm quite sure they have night vision uh, devices and, and oh, some yeah. of our M4, M4 weaponry and things of this nature. Uh, so all of these things come to a head. And, and again, you know that's why when you hear what Dick Durbin said, it is just idiotic because people are not joining our military because of the policies of this administration that's putting American men and women, their lives at at danger and at risk. You know, when you hear Jake Sullivan and the the national security uh, apparatus of the Biden administration uh, and the Pentagon say that they're not sure who the Houthi rebels were shooting at. Well, your ship is out there in the middle of the water and the thing is coming pretty close to you. I would tend to believe they're shooting at you. Yeah. Uh, and, and all of these, I think we're up to like 80 different attacks against our men and women on the ground. So, you know, we can't have them out there as sitting ducks.
0: You have called for the levying of economic and diplomatic sanctions against the nation of Qatar, yeah. which is considered to be an important strategic ally. Why so?
1: The leaders of Hamas live in Qatar. OK, so you, you can't have it both ways. That's you can't right. say that you're brokering deals and, 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 and all of this when you're harboring the very enemy that's responsible for the deaths of Americans and Israeli citizens on October the 7th. And oh, by the way, when Barack Obama released those five senior members yes. of the Taliban, guess where they were living? They were living in Qatar. And yes. now they're back over in Afghanistan. So, yes, I think that we need to shut down al uh, air airbase there in Qatar. And we need to you know look at sanctions against Qatar because between Iran, Qatar, and to a smaller extent, Erdogan and Turkey, they're the ones that are supporting this uh, Islamic terrorism and jihadism.
0: I want to pivot to that. Along those lines, Turkish President Erdogan uh continues to make provocative statements, including the uh, calling uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu a butcher and calling for him to be tried as a war criminal. Should Turkey continue to be thought of as an ally in light of their president's continuing pro-Hamas rhetoric?
1: No. Uh, and as a matter of fact, if the United States wants to put pressure on NATO for one thing, they should uh, you know, expel Turkey from the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. You know, Kemal Ataturk, when he set up the modern-day uh, state of Turkey, he wanted a secular Islamic nation. Uh, and what Erdogan has come around, and he has completely reversed that. So, no, Turkey is not a friend to NATO. Turkey is not an ally to the United States of America. And I can go all the way back to back in 2003, when we were deploying for combat operations in Iraq, and Turkey has said that they would allow the Fourth Infantry Division, uh, my division, the equipment to land there and come into the Iraq from the north, and then all of a sudden, uh, a couple of weeks out, they decided to change their mind, and all of our equipment was sitting on ships and had to be rerouted back down to the Middle East, and we ended up having to come, you know, up uh, through Iraq from the south, and the the horrible condition of our equipment having been at sea for that many days, the salt water effects. Uh, it took us quite a amount of time to, to get the maintenance standards back up. So I don't trust Erdogan. I don't trust him and his leadership there in Turkey. And I don't trust that direction. And that's the type of bold thing, statements that we need to be making. You look at Qatar, you look at Turkey, we've got to change some relationships.
0: The Biden administration has recently called for the revitalization of the Palestinian authority in Gaza, despite uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu disapproving of the idea. Is that what a post-Hamas Gaza should be like? Should the United States support a return to power by the Palestinian authority?
1: No. Uh, and, And really, the Palestinian authority is Fatah. They're an Islamic terrorist organization. They're the descendants of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, which is the original terrorist organization founded by Yasser Arafat. So, no, there should be some type of neutral third party that is in there in Gaza that will make sure that Islamic terrorism never gets a foothold there uh, and that Israel, they can be safe and secure. And that should be the uh, the guarantee is that Israel will remain there until some neutral, arbitrary third party comes in and provides the governance situation in Gaza so that they don't return to the Islamic terrorist uh, foothold, being it uh, Al-Aqsa, Al- Al-Quds, Martyrs Brigade, uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, Hamas, any of them. Uh, and, and also you got to understand is that uh, the, the Palestinian Authority under uh, Mahmoud Abbas you know, they are naming streets over there after people that have murdered Jews. Mm. They're providing, you know, money and resources to families of those people that have been suicide bombers and attackers. So, no, they're not the right uh, group to, to be there at all. And, and I will tell you that uh, Fatah and the West Bank can be just as much of a threat because they're harboring the same individuals.
0: Regarding the recent ceasefire and hostage release between Hamas and Israel, you wrote that, quote, there can be no doubt that the ceasefire is less about releasing hostages than providing Hamas an opportunity to rearm, refit, reposition, and realign for the ongoing assault waged against it, end quote. Do you believe that Israel made a mistake in agreeing to the ceasefire?
1: This is a tough position for Israel because they want to be able to get the hostages out. But the contingency should have been that we will continue with our combat operations till you turn over every single hostage. You cannot have this drip, drip, uh, we're going to stop for four days. No, we're going to stay in six days. We're going to give you these people. Oh, we're not going to turn over You know, any, uh, any women. We're going to pick the ones. Uh, we can't find everybody that uh, was, was taken hostage. And, of course, uh, it was once again Hamas who, you know, broke off this ceasefire early and went right back to, you know, firing rockets and missiles. Their commanders on the ground in Gaza have said that they are going to replicate October the 7th. They are going to continue to do exactly what happened on October the 7th. So you cannot coexist with a neighbor like that that has as their charter your extermination. Your elimination, your eradication. So I, I think that what uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, he is trying his best to, uh, you know, take care of his citizens who have loved ones that are still being held. So he has got to eradicate the threat of Hamas. And so I would tend to believe that you will not see a future ceasefire because all it does is provide the enemy, Hamas, an opportunity to uh, lick their wounds. Uh, when you talk about humanitarian aid flowing in, they just take that humanitarian aid for themselves. They could care less about the civilians there in Gaza. They're just human shields for them, they're just pawns in their game. So you got to keep the pressure up on them.
0: You have expressed outrage. Uh- over some of the pro-Hamas demonstrations we've seen in the United States since October the 7th, including someone tearing down an American flag and replacing it with a Palestinian flag in New York on Veterans Day. What, if any, restrictions should we place on these demonstrations?
1: Well, uh, you know, if you are going to go in and start tearing down the symbol of this nation, uh, you cross crossed the, a, a boundary. Uh, And I would have expected the New York Police Department to go in and immediately uh, arrest that individual, uh, but they just stood by and watched. And and to me, that is reinforcing what they're doing and it's encouraging them and it's emboldening them. You know, we have individuals that are taking the side of a terrorist organization. You even have members in the United States Congress that are doing that. There have to be consequences. There have to be ramifications. Of this, they can't be out there spreading this false narrative and the propaganda of Hamas. Uh, who is the governing authority of Gaza? Okay, and and they are not a, a recognized governing authority. They're a terrorist organization. So people that are out there with these marches, uh, trying to block the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade, uh, trying to uh, disrupt the Christmas tree lighting there in Rockefeller Plaza, uh, they need to be stopped. And and they need to be uh, accountable. If, if you can get upset about people on January the 6th, then you should be upset about the people that took over the cannon house office building and the people that are out there saying from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free because what they're doing is saying that they support the extermination of the Jewish people.
0: If you're just joining us, our guest, this segment has been Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. Allen, how can our audience continue to follow you and support your work?
1: Well, we're out there on all the social media platforms, except for TikTok, because that's controlled by the Communist Chinese Party, and how interesting you see a lot of the anti-semit- uh, se- anti-Semite anti rhetoric and uh, anti-Israel rhetoric out there on TikTok. Uh, and, and then, of course, uh, our Steadfast and law podcast, and you can also follow us at vacru.org, the American Constitutional Rights Union, and also uh, the Committee to Support and Defend. The, uh, we're trying to build that to be the nation's largest constitutional conservative veterans organization uh, and that we have ever seen.
0: As always, thank you for being our guest.
1: My pleasure. And again, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everyone, if I don't get the chance to say so.
0: Thank you. And to you as well.
1: Thanks, Marie.